What's up, friends? Welcome back to Coming Up in My Sneakers. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast today. And today we have Demi Chakis. Chakis. <laughs> I just spent like 30 minutes rehearsing her last name. Um, and she is a pro performance driver and race car driver who is also best known for being the 2018 Pirelli GT Sprint champion. <laughs> so I'm literally sitting in front of a race champion right now. I'm so excited. Demi, what's up? Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you for that wicked intro too. Oh my god. <laughs> Except for that I can't really say your last name, but I think Ch- Chalkis. Honestly, Chalkis. all throughout high school, it was always like that. I played a lot of sports in high school and whenever they would go to announce my name over the announcements, it would be like, and Demi, and I'm sitting there like, this takes away from all of my moment. Like, It's Chalkis. God damn. I feel like the A, anyway, we we will get it towards the end. The <laughs> outro, I'll get yeah. it. Exactly. Um, okay, so I, I kind of like, so you and I are friends and I know a little bit about your come up story, but I really want to dive into um, sort of how it all started. And let's start off with where you were born. Yeah, so um, I was actually born at Scarborough Grace Hospital, so in Scarborough, uh, but I was raised in Stouffville, Stouffville, Ontario. Okay, great. Yeah. And uh, you did like elementary and high school in Stouffville, right? I did, yeah. Okay. Yeah, what? I did a little bit of elementary school in Markham, and then we moved out to like after grade three, it was like Stouffville from then on. Okay, cool. Yeah. And uh, did you like growing up in Stouffville? I did. It was completely different because we grew up in like, you know, a neighborhood where you had like neighbors and friends and you could walk to school. And then all of a sudden my parents shipped me off to the middle of nowhere, like the outskirts of Stouffville. So I grew up next to a cornfield. We didn't have internet or cable running down our street. I know that is mind blowing. <laughs> and for today's, like, you know, when you say that in today's generation, people are like, how did you survive? Like I didn't get my first laptop until I was in university when they demanded it. So it was a- me too, actually, because I just had a desktop before that. Yeah, we didn't even have that. Wow. Okay, but just to give some people some context here, Demi just made it sound like she's possibly in her late 30s. She's not. So it was, I will say, for the times, it was still strange to, like, not have internet cable, but the fact that your neighbor was a cornfield makes perfect sense. You were definitely, like, more rural versus, I'm sure if you were still in your subdivision, uh, I'm sure you would have had it, because that's where I lived, and I definitely had internet and cable. (laughs) But still dial up and all that, like, that was that time, right? Who had patience? for that though yeah I mean it was I mean I guess because it was new you 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 put up with it but it was it was an interesting way of uh being brought up yeah and, you know everything was you would come home take your backpack off and go stack wood there would be a bush load <laughs> of wood there or you know you hopped on your ATV and you got to go mudding or hop That's on a cool. dirt bike like we didn't have internet or cable but I had every toy imaginable we had go-karts golf carts uh snowmobiles tractors like I was popping wheelies with tractors like when I was like 10 11 years old and it just it was a it was a different way of being brought up it was cool I loved it that actually sounds amazing though because also too like who cares at that point yeah if you have all those toys like at least you, have, you had something else and not just like exactly. nothing um and that sounds amazing like I would love like the wood stacking maybe not but like the, <laughs> the ATVing and like all of that stuff yeah. and so I I can't help but 
assume that had to have something to do with your career choice. Absolutely, yeah. So when did you first sort of get a knack for like driving and stuff like that? Driving was always something that came naturally to me and it was always something that um, I was interested in uh, because we had so many toys out in the country and this and that. I actually always imagined myself racing dirt bikes first. I don't know why, but Mm. whenever we'd be driving down the country roads, either like going into town or coming home, I would be sitting in the backseat looking out the window and I would just be lost in thought imagining myself on a dirt bike racing through the ditches. That's like one of my earliest memories that I have of like wanting to be out there with something motorized and, and racing or doing something. But I always had visions of that and I was always, I always gravitated towards anything that I could, I could drive or do stuff with. Um, we did have a big driveway, of course, being in the country, you have quite a bit of land there. And I remember I I learned how to drive standard at a very young age and I would actually set up basketballs on my driveway and practice driving routines without, yeah. And this was before, like, you know, I even, I just did it because I thought it was fun. Like I would try and reverse and if the basketball moved, I knew I hit it or I would try to drive through them with without touching the basketballs like driving was just always something I really enjoyed doing and how old were you when you were doing that I was like nine I learned how to drive standard at 10 years old uh so 10 years old I I fully understood the concept my dad had us going up and down the road um and for actually like driving things though like as soon as we could get on something and and go like I didn't go to like my dad used to babysit us and take us to the car lot and I'd sit on his lap and I'd be steering the cars on the lot parking them with him and stuff yeah so it was it was a very young age that I started driving anything yeah yeah also that was a little bit more like normal I think back then too because maybe some people are listening they're like what the hell but like (laughs) I remember even uh I vacation with my my family in Florida every year and uh we had like villas on these private like private properties so it's not like the main roads but I remember being a little, little kid too and like sitting on my dad's lap and steering. He was obviously doing the gas and stuff. But I feel like that might not be a thing anymore. But back then it was way more like it's so normal. True. Like, and we're going, you know, <laughs> 10 kilometers an hour. Of if course. That, you know what I mean? So similar story. I feel like a lot of things are like that now. What was cool back then, nowadays it's like you can't, it's like bad you can't do that, you can't say that, you can't like, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's so true, yeah. And the generation later is going to have the same thing about however we end up raising our kids Absolutely. and all that stuff, it's just yeah. the way it goes. Okay, cool. So you learned at a really young age and so it was just a genuine love for all of that. And so then you learned at nine and 10 and you're doing these drills and stuff on your properties. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously you can't go and race yet. Mm-hmm. So how, like, what were you like in high school? What were you interested <laughs> in? <laughs> oh no. Um, okay. So in high school, it was, it was pretty interesting because we lived so far away and I played so many sports. It was difficult. Like my parents both went to work in the morning. Um, sorry. And where did you go to high school? Stovall, right? I went to Stovall. Yeah. But it was SDSS. still a really long drive because of just where you were. Like, yeah okay like we had to take buses like my sisters and I had to take buses to and from school and if you forgot something you just like you, you, were, you were done like if you did a project you worked weeks on it and forgot it it was just like it was like I'm sorry yeah exactly I'll take the late mark like I don't know yeah. what to do um so it we it was hard to get to and from school and I played so many different sports while I was in high school where my dad was literally just like I'm sick and tired of driving you you don't have a G1 but take the car just fucking take no the way. car so he and go you. yeah so now the car choice was a Subaru STI like this it was 
It had like gold wheels. It was blue. It had oh like, my yeah, God. like 300 horsepower. Um, and everyone just... must have been obsessed with you pulling into school. <laughs> but you know, it's actually really funny because I'm European, I'm Greek, and I grew up in a very like country, um, like, you know, in neighborhood and everything so everybody had like their their lifted ford f-150 pickup trucks and they totally. had their country music blaring at like lunchtime and i'm driving in like with this Subaru sti and everyone's like who is this like what yeah <laughs> and um it was kind of fun though because that car like yeah we had some fun in that car so what grade is this that your dad's letting you take this car to school like grade nine grade nine come yeah, on grade nine grade nine that's was- amazing did you ever get pulled over no, not with that car. I should have. <laughs> not with I that should've. car. I should have. Like, like, you know, like uh, it was, yeah, no. Because, like, my buddy had, like, a Chrysler 300. And, like, this was always something, like, and it was a manual car. It was, like, it was fast. It was sporty. I'm 15 years old getting to drive this, right? And I'm just, like, oh, my God. And That's it just amazing. so happened. Like, my love for Subaru just, like, instantly stemmed from there. I'm, like, this car is so sick. Like, you know, you'd go and, like, race friends at lunchtime or, like, after <laughs> school. You know what I mean? Like, when I say, like, we had fun with that car, it was because I was out there, like, you know, racing a story wow. mom and dad if you're listening yeah. but like <laughs> guess why like it's almost a given at this point that that's what I was doing and um you, you're young and stupid right like don't get me wrong like like I've learned to take it off the streets I don't agree with uh being you know an Street idiot racing. like don't be a jackass on the roads yeah. guys like people aren't trained professionals and I did learn that and I have been kicked off insurance multiple times so it's like you learn your you <laughs> oh, learn shit. your lessons and then I just I took it to the track but it, coincidentally my first car that like my first race car that I got to experience which is what just absolutely kick-started everything was in a Subaru STI double the horsepower is pushing 600 horsepower at the time and my dad again trusted me to take that car he's like okay yeah take it out onto the track and this is my first time ever driving and how old are you at that point I was 18 okay so you have was, a, a legal license. I have a legal point. license okay. at this point. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're set at this point. Yeah, I was I was 18 at that point, and I had done some go karting. And I mean, my dad was like pretty lenient with that stuff. And like uh, my mom's side of the family are all racers as well. Okay, how? Okay, we need to delve into that. But can yeah. you finish this story, and then I need to ask you about that. Yeah, well, that's basically it. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's it. Super Super's kickstarted um, my love for for racing. I guess it's what gave me the bug. Okay, and because I think I remember you telling me at one point your dad has a background in racing as well, and then also your mom's family. Like, that yeah. is such a weird sort of coincidence. So, like, that, I have to assume that that obviously lent its sort of influence on your career choice as well. I have to think I that, believe right? so. Okay. I strongly believe that racers just have a different DNA, or it's genetically, like, in them. Passed down? Yeah. So, who in your family is a racer or was a racer my dad used to race back in the day okay. he raced for about 20 years oh wow yeah so he he's he made a really good reputation for himself like my dad is one of the best drivers I've ever sat with and he was definitely my idol um, for racing because he taught me everything I know even just sitting right seat with him and like just like sitting there watching his feet his hand movements and he would explain to me like what's going on with the car what you're supposed to do don't do this do this and you sit there and you just observe you're like a sponge especially when you're young you're like this yeah. is awesome right and it's like your dad that you want to hang out with that's teaching you this you know stuff, yeah. not like a stranger instructor <laughs> yeah you because you trust your dad you mm-hmm. you trust that he would never guide you wrong and everything that he has he'll he'll give to guide you with properly mm-hmm. so that was really cool to learn from him so my dad has the the racing background but my mom too don't discredit her she was a badass herself too like back in the day she was driving corvettes she had she had a supra when she was pregnant to me which explains so much because oh my really, god yeah. so my, this is 
like your destiny, literally. I think so. I think so. And it was kind of funny. Um, yeah, so sorry, my mom's family, uh, all my cousins on my mom's side, like the Canellos family, they all race uh, motorcycles, dirt bikes, like studded dirt bikes oh. on lakes and stuff. Like, oh, just wow. like, yeah, they race snowmobiles. Um, one of my uncles, like, he won, a, like, a really big race. I think it was, like, a Daytona race for motorcycles and such. Wow. Yeah. Your so mom's brother? My mom's cousin or uncle like he's okay. just like we're greek so our family's just like so huge everyone's yeah. like oh theo theo like aunt uncle like, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah so on both sides of my family racing has just always been something that's been within the family nice yeah oh my god so that like literally puts so much in perspective i didn't even know about your mom said at all absolutely and um okay so grade so okay so you graduate from high school and yeah. were you like like how how were you in high school did you care about school or were you more just like i just need to race um no it wasn't actually anything like that in high school i was very um so in high school my sport was actually triathlons i was a triathlete and my whole life was revolved around training and wanting to be the best because my goal was to make it into the olympics wow yeah so at 16 i was training for a half iron man like like i was 16 years old and on weekends i was running like marathons or doing 100 kilometer bike rides from stovall to jackson's point and back if it oh was, my god if it was raining i didn't care if it was snowing i didn't give a shit i had like frostbite i almost lost my my right ear from running in the in the snow without a hat on but i didn't want to turn around because my schedule was my schedule yeah that was my training and i like that's some determination at its best. Yeah. Like, you know what? It's funny. Actually, somebody had, had pinpointed this the other day on Instagram. Determination. You can't spell it without spelling Demi. Demi. Yeah, I, I saw like, that. That's <laughs> so amazing. shout out to whoever pinpointed that. But Literally. So in high school, I, was, I wasn't a bad kid. You know what I mean? I was very, like, goal-setting. I played a lot of sports. I was very, like, driven towards my athletics. But with school, I did well in school. Like, I did graduate with academic uh, scholarships and, and honor roll. Oh, wow. But the thing was, was that I felt like I didn't deserve it because I was never in school. Like, <laughs> like, she was, like I, naturally, like, like, my teachers, like, all my, because it's a small town, all my teachers were my coaches. So if there was a project, I'm like, listen, like, we have a tournament. We have this. We have that. Okay, Demi, like, you know, just get it to me a week later or something. They were always very lenient. Yeah. And I played seven sports with my school oh my god okay quickly what's what were the sports it was cross country okay. track and field rugby basketball volleyball i did badminton for shits and giggles and nordic skiing shut that was the fuck while up. training for triathlon nordic on skiing that. that's even an option in school yeah. it wasn't <laughs> in my in school country, yeah. i guess so <laughs> what does that entail do you have to just go up north and ski or i was is it like- so shit at it but i just wanted something to like get me out of like class or to be actively yeah. involved in something so oh, i should have gotten involved in more sports you should have like, you should have it was I so good and you just like get to meet so many people like I feel like I didn't have a niche in high school I wasn't like oh this is my clique and this is who I am like I was friends with like I also did a lot of theater and drama I love theater and drama and so like I feel like it just makes you so well-rounded because you're so like runners are different than basketball players basketball players are different from rugby players so like you actually get to meet a whole different like you know slew of people and Mm -hmm. when you're walking down the hallways it's like hey 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 and they're like you're friends with them and I'm like yeah why not Mm -hmm. you know what I mean so like yeah sports were really yeah was my thing so I was very structured in high school in that sense but yeah I did well in school because I got I got away with 50% of like the workload like yeah Yeah, no that's cool okay so you graduated with um honors but then so then did you have any pressure to go to like college or university at all or yes and no my parents never wanted us to do a Vic lap or not go into you know uh is it post-secondary yeah yeah yeah, post-secondary school 
like my sister Andrea wanted to do a Vic lap because she wanted to play another year of rugby. We were all rugby players. And uh, my mom was like, absolutely not. Like my kid's not going to take a year back. Like if you didn't go to post-secondary or if you took a year off, you were considered a failure. Like my parents are also European. They're very strict in their ways. They're very like, my kids need to be successful and everything. Mm -hmm. So taking a year off or not going to post-secondary wasn't an option. Okay. So I did feel pressure. But the thing was, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I didn't know. I'm like, I like sports. Let's go in for fitness and health. Yeah, and then you go so and is that do, what you ended up doing? I did fitness and health, yeah. And, what school? Uh, I went to Durham College. Okay. It was close to home. I could commute. But then I, I was actually on the, I was the rookie captain for the basketball team um, while in college. So then I ended up, because the practices, you had two-hour practices every day. You had tournaments on the weekend. I ended up actually just staying in residence there halfway through my schooling. But I did fitness and health while I was in um, Durham College. And then it's like, you graduate. And it's like, okay, sick. I can be a personal trainer. Like, yeah. there's there not really many options. And like me, I'm like, no, I want to be in that 1%. Like, I've always had a very success-driven mindset. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, this is not good. I'm like, what's the best option I can take from this? I'm like, well, I had suffered a really bad hip injury. I did so much rehab, chiropractic physiotherapist this and that I was like okay I'm pretty well rounded in that maybe I'll go in the pre-med direction so I can either be a chiropractor or a sports medicine doctor like I know quite a bit already because of my athletic background so then and sorry very quickly are you racing during this time or had you kind of put that on the back burner to pursue college I was actually go-karting. Okay. So I was For actively go-karting. Or, or a competitive level? It was, I mean, I took it competitively, but it wasn't by any means like nationals or shifter okay. cards or anything like that. Yeah. This was when I was, so when I was in college, this is when my dad, so my dad got out of racing for a bit and then he got back into as an instructor. He's an instructor for the Porsche, Ferrari and BMW clubs. And so what I would do is I would be at the track with him all the time volunteering so that I could bank free track time while I was go-karting because I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I had actually volunteered so many hours during my go-karting period where when it came time for me to advance into a car, I had all my schooling for free because track time is very expensive. It is extremely expensive to, to get. So like one day it's like 500 bucks and you get like four sessions in the day and like, you know what I mean? And then you have to account for your, your fuel, your tires, your everything. Right. So getting free track time was crucial. And then when I was in university, when I bridged into university, that's when I got actual, like I get goosebumps even thinking about it because that was the year that literally changed my life. I was in school. I hated what I was taking. I was like, why am I stuck in this? Because you're doing this pre-med thing, right? Yeah. And I I had to do, um, you know, clinics where you had to go and see what your life was going to be like and learn this. And I'm like, I'm going to be stuck in a fucking cubicle and like, you know, like treating miserable people. Like nobody comes to a chiropractor because they're happy. (laughs) They're usually pissed off. And so like... I was just like, this isn't what I want to do. This is terrible. Like, I just want to be like, I want to be at the racetrack. And then that's when I got to experience that Subaru that I was talking about. And for that, it was called the BMW Trillium uh, uh, School. And I did my track day then. And I, I, I shit you not, Heather. I literally, after that day, I was like, that's it. I found it. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, like, excuse my language, but I was like, fuck everything else. This is what I need to be doing. Like, I've never felt something that made me want to be like, I was just like, I need, when's the next time I can get out there? Like, Like, it's like all of a sudden you're just like shot up and you're just like, when's my next fix? Like, literally. Yeah. They say racing is a drug and it's the most expensive drug that you're ever going to (laughs) like, you know, inject. And like, it's tough for racers because I feel bad for, because a lot of people, there's a million people. Oh, my dream is to be a race car driver. Oh, I'd love to race. Or you hear the racers that were so good, but run out of funds like it's just it's a very difficult 
um, uh, it's a very difficult sport to make either a living in or to, you know, to keep continuing because of that. But if you put your mind to it, you make it happen. And when when you have that And we're in an era now too of like, because I know exactly what you mean. The big sports in North America are obviously like, you know, hockey, basketball, baseball, like NFL and and CFL in Canada, sort of, kind of. And like kind of more soccer now. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously it's bigger in Europe. But like these, I don't want to call them smaller sports, but sort of like tennis and like, you know, golf. Like with like the internet and Instagram even and all that, like all of these opportunities are just going to open floodgates for these other sports. And I think you're in it at the perfect time because exactly what you said like maybe you know 10 15 years ago it was harder like really there was like the indie and i like i as a consumer of it or just like a bystander i didn't really know very much more about racing like Mm -hmm. that was the most that i knew so i don't know i think it's just i think we're in like a changing period for these other types of we're in it we're in a changing period i think you're absolutely right and we're in a changing period for a few different ways uh like you said with like social media and this and that uh, shining exposure onto it i hopped onto the social media uh game i I loved always like making like funny videos and actually funny videos and posting pictures of one of my uh vintage cars that i have is actually what kickstarted my instagram and Mm. a lot of my sponsors and opportunities have come from social media so there's it's it's a fantastic time in the world and i think people really need to take advantage of the fact that we we have so much connection being made social yeah. media connects us to like to everything to the world, the world this yeah. is the time where you need to utilize that and work with it but another reason why this is a fantastic time period is also because of uh of female rights and mm-hmm. and um you know females can do you know anything that guys can like we're in this era where it's girl power you know yeah. what i mean so back then it was it was very difficult you very seldom did you see you know a female like danica race. patrick is the only, only person, person like, yeah, <laughs> but there's so many other like female historians that have, like you know have come through the motorsport industry that you know did uh, Michelle with rally racing and, and Danica has has done a fantastic job. You know she was the only one in NASCAR, but it's always like everyone's like, oh yeah, are you like Danica Patrick? Are you like Danica Patrick? Danica Patrick? I love Danica Patrick, fantastic. But there has to be another so, name person, to compare yeah. it to, you guys. Like, no, I'm like Demi. I'm like Demi Chelkis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's you know it's it's a fantastic time period for so many different ways and you see uh, like I'm still a rare commodity like there's still mm-hmm. you know like I'm either the only or one of two other females that are out there on the racetrack yeah, like max exactly right so it's still rare to see a female out on the racetrack but it's not uncommon to hear about it now so it is it's a t- it's a fantastic it's we have to utilize this time here right now this present moment what we're given because anything can change at any point in time Mm -hmm. so take what we can get right now and run with it Mm -hmm. exactly um okay so i want to just quickly uh i'm like such a chronological person so i want to quickly jump back to the part where you were like hey this is my drug i need to do this for the rest of my life so you were what like like 18 19 ish and going to university for uh pre-med yes and you were like fuck this yeah um okay so now so you did this like one race i think you said uh and then you were like so tell me about what happened afterwards like did you go home and like drop out of school immediately or like did you how did you break (laughs) it to your parents well so i had um it was actually during the summer Okay. So I still had to, you know, enter school, like go into September. How many years left in your program did you have? I had, because my courses followed through from college, it was only three years. So is, is this summer, like what year are you about to go into? I was in my third year. 
Okay, yeah. so you're about to finish. So you have one year left. Yeah. Well, no, I still had oh. I still had two more years okay. left to to finish uh, fully until I could have chosen what med school I wanted to go okay. to and this okay. and that. I was honestly I was halfway there. I'd say. Okay. And <laughs> so it was basically that summer. I think it was the summer of 2014, if my mental math right now is correct. Uh, the summer of 2014. So I did multiple schools all th- all throughout the summer, and that's when it was just like okay the first time I'm like this is absolutely amazing when am I getting out there next so all summer I was doing it and then I enrolled in school um in the September you know you start your schooling whatever and track days happen until October right so I'm in school I'm still doing track things I'm still getting distracted by that and then the winter holidays had come and then that's when I started really thinking about it I'm like I don't like what I'm doing I don't like school I don't want to be here and um I continued my my second semester of that school and I remember the day like so perfectly. I was actually sitting outside. I had just failed a stats course uh, or no, an exam. But that was one of the classes that I actually made an effort to be there every single day, sit at the front. Math just wasn't my strong. I can count money really well, but I can't. Like, <laughs> the only math skill that you need. <laughs> it's the only like, give me a stack of hundreds and I'll count that like no problem. But to actually figure out formulas and do all of this stuff. like Computers do it no though. Anyway, yeah, like, right? Do you really need to fucking understand this? No. No. Like when am I? I don't even remember what you learn in stats because I just don't whatever so I had I had failed one of the exams and I actually tried really hard so I was sitting outside of the stats classroom waiting for my professor to come and I was like um I was sitting out there and I waited for him to come he came and I was just like listen like you see me in school every single day like or in class every single day I'm sit at the front row I'm trying my best like like please just pass me and I had to sit there and plead with him just to pass me on this course and it was like just one of those moments where I'm like why am I here like mm-hmm. I don't want to do this and so he finally gave me like just a barely passing mark and I was I, I went and I sat down and then that's when I started having flashbacks of my racing and like and the tracking and the Subaru in the summer and I'm like no I'm like school is just not doing this for me I don't want to be here this isn't this isn't working with my strengths this isn't working with what Mm -hmm. makes me happy why the flip am I here you can swear yeah (laughs) (laughs) that deserved a fuck it did (laughs) why the fuck am I here yeah and it was that day where I'm just like I'm done I'm out and I dropped out amazing and, and like it's funny because I don't want to be like oh amazing congratulations because we always associate yeah. dropping out as bad but it's not if it doesn't align with what you want to do absolutely and I think you did it for the right reasons like if you're dropping out because of you know some sort of negative thing mm-hmm. like maybe you feel you know pressured by somebody or or whatever but if, if it's just not the right thing for you like I am such a believer like don't go to college yeah if you really you can go and, and like let's say in 20 years from now you decide it's for you you can go then it's not like you have to go in your 20s you Mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. so I'm such a supporter of that and congratulations for like actually realizing it and because we're like I think we're sort of the first generation that's having the courage to do that because obviously Mm -hmm. any of our parents out there would be like just finish just finish like my brother was in a similar scenario he's a videographer and he went to like film school uh and then his last semester he because technology had changed so much in that period that he like he's Mm -hmm. in his early 30s um it had changed so drastically that like the curriculum was super out of out of date even in the three years that he was there his uh he ended up teaching his professor like what like 
his professor was teaching them the stuff in the class and he's like but no that's not right that's no. incorrect and then so he went to my dad and he's like yeah I'm not finishing this is a waste of my time and my dad was like just finish just finish. and he's like but I like <laughs> I don't need this piece of paper like he didn't understand because like that was sort of like the beginning of like the professional film industry not for like movies and television but like just for like your local dentist who needs to do a video for Instagram you know yeah. like it was just such a change at that time where he was just like yeah no I'm not doing it Sorry. I feel like parents fear having their kids turn out to be failures as well because in their time though college and school equated mm-hmm. to success there was no other option yeah. and it's just not that way yeah. anymore and I do and I do understand like you know being able to do post-secondary school is a privilege we it are is. very privileged are. to have that option and I don't encourage people yeah drop out of school this that if you have a determined end goal outside of school like when you're if your program's leading you to something that makes you feel fulfilled when you're exactly. when you're in school you're like sick I get to learn this fantastic stay there and I'm not like I didn't drop out because I failed an exam because shit got hard all of a sudden I'm like yep I'm out see you it wasn't that like what you're saying thank you for that like it was it was driven off of like I need to know what fulfills me as a human being as a person like if I'm gonna be here my whole life you better fucking believe I'm gonna do something that makes me happy mm-hmm. like I'm not gonna stick here and, and, and do that so like I don't I don't like I'm not here to say like everybody drop out of school it's no, the cool thing to do and I don't think that's what you're saying yeah. either um understand that it is a privilege to, to go to post-secondary school but also understand that it's a privilege like our time period that we're in right now to choose what you want to do with your life and also technology like what you're saying about your brother like you get an iphone 10 six months later it's already done like i know how is anybody supposed to keep up with technology it's just exactly yeah and it's so true too even just like I think the ultimate thing is like knowing yourself and understanding like like you were able to be like okay I want to shoot myself like this doesn't mm-hmm. work for me I don't want to be here and like all I can think about is racing so like I'm gonna go do that and that takes like a huge uh like you know amount of courage and yeah. what a great leap of faith and like look where you are now so it obviously really worked out yeah. um and so okay so I want to talk about that so you drop out mm-hmm. um and you're like cam okay, racing and then from that point so what did you do immediately afterwards mm. had you told your parents I I held back on telling them a little bit like it was nearing the end of the semester so like it was technically exam time you know Mm -hmm. what I mean so it was and my parents also too like both of them like I said they both work really hard every day they're not as actively involved every day like knowing like she's supposed to be home at this time why yeah, isn't she yeah. home you know like I kind of did get to do whatever I wanted in that sense where like no like I have practice or something and yeah you know, they're you just can, like whatever okay <laughs> exactly they're just like okay we're busy with our stuff she's a good kid whatever she's doing yeah. you know um but I did eventually tell them and I I, I remember telling um my mom and my dad and I was just like look listen like it was separate uh, like I had to tell them individually and I just I said it's only for a year I just need to regain my mental sanity um and at that point I was just like I don't know what I want to do I didn't even know am I going to make a career as a race car driver am I going to make a career in like the motorsport like I didn't know what it was all I knew was that I needed to be around racing and I I just needed to be in that industry at some degree Mm -hmm. and so I told them off the bat I didn't dare mention like yeah I'm dropping out of school become a race car driver yeah yeah yeah. that's when I would have got the wooden spoon the like anything my parents are old school European like no way and so I just told them it was a year to regain my mental sanity and I think they slowly started to figure out that that wasn't my goal so as soon as I dropped out I started working uh two jobs I was like if I'm not in school I got to be making money Mm -hmm. 
period. I learned very early in how expensive it was to be in the motorsport industry and how expensive everything costed. And I was like, worst case scenario, I gotta, I gotta drive some income. So I started working two jobs. I got a job uh, working at a breakfast um, restaurant. And then I got a job right after that, I'd switch out and work at a dinner restaurant. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yes. Seven all days. The meals. Yeah, exactly. All the meals. Every, every uh, meal that I ate was from our restaurant. It was disgusting. You hate restaurants after that. When you're I'm in the sure, restaurant industry yeah. for so long, you're like I fucking I don't even want to look at a home cooked meal is like the greatest yeah. thing of life. So I just started um, banking as much money as I could, and after that summer, October, November area, um, er, like time period, I saved up enough money where I was able to buy my first race car. So I started hopping on Kijiji and looking, and then that's when I found my first race car. His name is Frankie. He's a red BMW. <gasps> oh my god, that's so cute. That's my husband's name. Oh, nice. <laughs> well, hopefully he, his name's not Frankie for the same reasons. Like this car <laughs> had to be resurrected from the dead so many times where oh. it was just like <laughs> Frankenstein. Oh, Frankenstein. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so funny. So. I found it on Kijiji and I remember like I went there and um, I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm like, I'm like, this is it. This is the car that I want. I remember negotiating with the guy, got to throw in a, like a spare engine with it and this and that. And I'll never forget it. I bought it in the winter time and I towed it home and I was like, okay, like, like now, now what? Like, you know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. I got my race car, like now what? So there was a- And how old are you when you did that? I was 20. Wow, that's pretty point. young too to like to buy your first car and you yeah. know do all that. You know what? I've been a hustler from from young though. Like at 12, 13 years old, I took my tractor and I loaded up my sister and uh, we put all the tools in the back of the tractor. Went up and down every street, knocked on doors. Can we do any landscaping for you? This and that. Ah, like so I was always, always like an entre- entrepreneurial. Yeah, stuff. Uh, to, yeah, to an extent. Like always, just thinking about money, 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 money. Like I always like I, I like that part of like you know saving and getting money. So saving up that money to buy my race car I'm like yeah it was a goal met like mm-hmm. it was like it was out the window now it's like what's next, next right yeah so and it, thank you it is like at 20 but like now it's like that season now coming up with like 20 grand for a summer at that age to maintain it yeah that's where the real struggle is that what happens. it costs to race every day minimum oh my minimum. god minimum for a season at a regional level okay some teams are spending 20,000 for a weekend is nothing Oh yeah, like God. at my level, like my last, my, my Shannonville race weekend, uh, that was easy, like an $8,000 weekend for me. Holy shit. Yeah. With tires, fuel, entry the fees, t- yeah. transportation, accommodation, uh, some of the mishaps and errors and, 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 you know, things with the car that we had to fix. Like, like you're Gas. literally, you're, yeah, you're literally pissing. One race weekend is a thousand dollars of fuel just for the car, just for the race car. Oh my God. A thousand bucks for that. Then you account, uh, um, take into account, uh, racing tires we have racing slicks like they're very expensive they're different uh composition they're different uh, everything from normal tires that's $2,500 just for the tire uh your entry fees plus test days plus this plus that like it all adds up it's a very expensive sport you picked the best no, I know right <laughs> yeah well thank god I have a good work ethic so. yeah 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 so then it was like okay sick I got my race car I have a little bit of advanced driving underneath me what do I do next and it's like well I got to get a racing license I got to go through my schooling and so I registered oh that makes sense so I guess you have to what's it called just like a racing license yeah so if you actually go through brack driving concepts uh they host uh, a racing school at shannonville motorsport park in belleville oh. under uh, the casc regulations and this and that and you go there and you have um a racing instructor sitting right hand with you instructing you doing in classroom on track testing like it's thorough testing that they do and then you have a written exam at the end of it 
and if you pass you pass and if you don't you don't not everybody in our class passed that weekend oh, wow. so I was one of the lucky ones and then the very next weekend got my racing license the very next weekend it was the first regional race I'm like fuck it sign me up let's go Amazing. I'm ready let's just but like do it. why wait you just exactly yeah like, it's fresh in your head do it, just yeah. do it yeah that's amazing. Yeah. So, and then that's when you kind of started. That's what that was. That like your first sort of like I don't like professional race. I guess you would say or? it was regional. So it was um, it was more of like a provincial race. Okay. Yeah. It did work its way up. That series is like now like semi pro. Like we do get paid by the series. So, and okay. Such. Sorry. How, yeah. Like, yeah. Like how does that work for people that are curious? Because I I definitely am, and maybe other yeah. people that are listening. Like when you say like a series, so do you have to first like entry and then qualify and then like race a couple times? Like how does like all the structure of that work? Yeah. So you mean for like so if we're, I'm showing up on race day what's the structure of that or the different series itself? just like the different series and stuff like that so like you won your championship last year yeah um and then like take me backwards from there yeah okay so there's a million different racing series um that's why it's so difficult when uh some people say like oh professional race car driver well it's like yeah you get paid by the series so technically you're considered a professional but like on the grand scheme of things there's a million different series like it's so difficult to gauge things there's club racing regional racing there's um, um, you know what I mean? There's probably World Challenge, IMSA. So, like, there's CASC, um, CTCC, IMSA, probably World Challenge. Um, then, obviously, you have, like, your NASCAR, your CASCAR. You have, like, Formula One. Indy. Like, Indy, yeah. yeah. Indy racing, you have your, your Formula. And are those just higher levels, or they're just different racing it's entirely? It's just different racing in general. Like, some are higher levels than other, but some are open wheel. Some are uh, um, spec series, meaning, like, so I also do, like, the Nissan Micro Series, and that's a spec racing series where it's the identical car being raced at the at the exact same time oh yeah so this way it now comes down to driver the driver yeah. now the other stuff that i do is more touring car where it's like i have my bmw but i might be up against somebody in a in a porsche or an aerial adam or a corvette or you know whatever else is out there and it's kind of cool like all different forms of racing have their have their perks and their and their not so great things to them yeah but it's kind of cool because in spec racing everything is supposedly leveled out and in touring car it's just like oh man like you can get me on the straights but my car has better handling so i can pass you in the corner like it's a little mm-hmm. bit more yeah ah, it's like kind of like all strategic like thing yeah yeah, yeah yeah okay so that makes that makes sense okay yeah cool and uh okay so that's pretty much brought us up to like present day and then what yeah. do you have or what can you tell us about what you have planned for like kind of this year next year yeah so this year has been already a roller coaster it's been fantastic so this year I am racing in the Prelli GT Sprint Series again, but I'm racing a new car at a higher level. So I'm racing GT3, GT2. Uh, we'll see, most likely GT2. And sorry, what is that? That's just like the type of car? That just means that you're in a faster category. So GT1 oh, okay. is like, like, like all out those are like the big um like nascar trucks and stuff okay, like that okay. so i'm like just below that oh wow with my car yeah so i'm racing and like how do they gauge that like do they say that you can't hit over a specific speed or like what does that mean yeah when it's like a faster category it's uh so basically this this form of racing is bracket racing so as long as you fall within a certain bracket of lap time Oh, then okay, you're categorized okay. in that in that section. So it's a pretty okay. good way of regulating it. Some people do power to weight ratio. Um, other people do it based off of modifications. Other people do bracket racing. Every type of racing has their, again, their pros and their cons. I do enjoy bracket racing. I think it's a pretty well-structured, like you can sandbag and sandbag basically means like you just go slower than you are actually capable of going to be in a lower bracket so you can always mm-hmm. just win. It's kind of like UFC a little bit, like your, your weight classes and yes. stuff like that. Like yeah. people cut weight to like fit into 
into a lower weight class and all exactly, that. Exactly, yeah. Okay. But you don't want to sandbag. Like, I, you can't. Like, when you're racing, like, your adrenaline's pump, you just want to be the best that you can be. Go yeah. out there and just crush it. So, I'm going to be racing a BMW, an M3, an E46, like, heavily modified. It's... <laughs> So I've been racing, I'm racing that this year, and um, I'm backed by Paragon Competition, uh, Tip Top Auto Collision, uh, Jason Yam from uh, Jason Yam Real Estate. So I have like fantastic sponsors on board to help make this season happen. And that's another thing too, when you're starting from ground up, like how I did a very raw entry into the racing world, because you'll see a lot of drivers actually have like, they're like, you know, they have either their parents that fully supported the right. idea or trust fund babies or, you know, whatever. And I, I everybody's come up story. I'm never jealous of any other like oh you had it handed to you must be nice like I don't mm-hmm. care like that's fantastic dude you've you faced your own struggles with mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you know what I mean if you're at a level that I want to be at it's like sweet what is it like um when you're in the car like what do you have to you know ask mm-hmm. questions so you can immensely prepare yourself to be at that level exactly my my route there might be a little bit different than yours but I'll get there <laughs> of course and that's why you will like you are and will be definitely successful like almost 100% from that outlook like thank you there's no point of being you know jealous and whatever exactly what you said you're just focusing on like the driving and what you're there to do and like getting better and like you absolutely will because of that thank you I appreciate percent. that yeah, yeah of course yeah so this year sorry you have uh th- just one race then or like what's your main thing I guess that you have yeah, this year yeah so the uh the BMW and the Pirelli GT sprints is definitely main I'm also uh dabbling in the Nissan Micra series uh which is that spec series that I had but okay. um very interesting story to that so I had I was hired as a driver uh, to complete the full series. I had a car, had a team, had everything. But it turns out that our team owner was a wanted criminal. Come and on. everything got repossessed. Turns no. out the cars, the trucks, the trailers, everything was stolen. And oh so, my yeah. God. So he fled. Some people say he's in jail now. Some people don't really know. And um, everything got repossessed that from us. crazy. Yeah. So, but the nice thing is though, is that a lot of people heard about the story and they were like, yo, Demi, like that shit's not cool at all. Like we really want to help you out. So Ooh, that is yeah, good. we might salvage the season and be able to continue on with that but it's such a crazy story like honestly welcome to the motorsport industry like apparently this shit's not even like is like unheard of apparently like apparently this is like happens. it happens fairly regularly <laughs> yeah so I'm like oh okay oh but, my god yeah so I am looking forward to that because the Nissan Micro Series is a fantastic series to race and the cars are so tiny and only 109 horsepower but man does it ever take confidence and guts to drive those cars fast because you're flat out in cor- corners where you're like I should be braking I should be braking I should be braking you're like oh like oh my god so it takes a little bit of gaining confidence with the cars especially because they have a reputation of flipping very easily oh shit They're there's a big mosh pit video that went viral on YouTube of just like 14 cars or whatever the whole field just like like one's flipping over here one's smashing into the wall the other two are going at it like these cars like oh they just God. lost their shit it was so awesome so yeah cool yeah. those are the two things and just like being completely uh full-on with uh performance driving instructing coaching nice mm-hmm. and do you have like a race that's like your end all be all that you would like definitely want to compete in in your career yeah, the Rolex 24. Ooh, okay. Yeah, Rolex 24 with uh, the Acura team. I would love to race with uh, Catherine Legg. It, with the, they call it the Cat Car because they're sponsored by Cat. The, I think they do machinery. Um, yeah, CAT. Like, yes, yeah. CAT, yeah. Uh, to race the Rolex 24, that is the most, like, 
prestige race of all of races. Is it in North America or somewhere else? In North America, oh, yeah. Okay, nice. Yeah, they hold it. Actually, I watched it last year. I drove down to Florida to watch uh, the Daytona nice. for a 24-hour. Yeah, so. Well, I have no doubt that you will be there. Thank you. Like, a thousand percent. Thank you. Um, so that was, like, a super interesting story. I And I kind of knew a little bit of it already, but thank <laughs> you for the extra detail. My pleasure. Um, and quickly, before I let you go, um, I wanted to ask you about your favorite footwear. So the yes. shoes that you brought today or you're wearing today. Yeah. Um, why are they your favorite? Why do you love them? Yeah, so I'm wearing um, some crisp white Jordans. They are sexy. Thank you, thank you. They're the the zip ups. Um, these ones were actually made strictly for females. So the Jordan lineup, as you probably know, they they don't make a lot of women's shoes. So it was really yeah. nice that they brought this lineup on board. And I love these ones because I'm always so greasy and dirty, and I'm always at the track. I have like I'm just like my like. I just always feel, I love it, don't get me wrong, but it's always nice to come home, shower, and put on a nice, clean, white pair of shoes and just feel crisp. Like, (laughs) you're not a grease monkey anymore. You got nice, and they're so comfortable, and they zip up. They got a gold zipper. I like gold zippers. Amazing. Yeah, I love them. So they're they're just like alter ego (laughs) shoes. exactly, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Um, And one piece of advice for anybody else walking a similar path to yours. Yeah, that question always gives me goosebumps. Just be patient and work hard. Don't lose sight of your vision. Don't take other people's criticism and self-doubt. Don't take that to heart and think that that has to that you have to own that as well. That's their own issues that they're projecting onto you. Continue, mm-hmm. keep a straight mindset, and just be patient and work hard and keep a good attitude. Always just have a genuine approach to you, and things will work out. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, guys, that is it for this episode. And you can follow Demi on Instagram at Demi Chalkis. Hey. Yay. <laughs> I got it. Um, the exact spelling to that will be on our Instagram and also in the show notes. It's just D-E-M-I-C-H-A-L-K-I-A-S. Uh, you guys should definitely all go follow her. Um, and then, of course, you can follow the podcast at Coming Up In My Sneakers on Instagram. And I wish you all a very amazing week and don't get caught wearing dirty sneakers. 